warning, this segment contains sensitive content surrounding suicide. If you're thinking about suicide or worried about a friend or loved one or would like emotional support, the Lifeline Network is available 24-7 across the United States. Uh, That number is 800-273-8255. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talk About It with Tiffany Faye. It's me, your girl, Tiffany Faye. And today we bring to you a very serious and important topic. We want to tackle um, African-American mental health, um, particularly in men. Today, helping me to tackle this um, topic, I have two very special guests. One you've seen before, Miss Alicia Young, who is not a therapist. <laughs> Thank you for and saying that. Also, we have Mr. Jacques Peston. Um, and, and today I'm just gonna, you know, give these to the floor. We're gonna take a deep dive into a very, very, very serious um in 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 y'all know me, it's hard for me to be serious, but I'm gonna really try. Um, in honor of this very uh, serious topic. So guys, take it away. Welcome and thank you for coming. Sure. Sure, thank you. Uh, so just to introduce myself, my name is Jacques Hudson. Uh, I am a 43-year-old male um, and I have two kids, I'm married. Um, and I just wanted to you know, speak with Mrs. Lisa, Miss Tiffany on just about mental health and how it has been taking effect on me myself within the last past two years since COVID has hit, you know, it's hit everybody, um, and, you know, the whole pandemic. And, um, you know, the last two years I've been finding myself with, you know, thoughts of um, how did I get here and what do I need to do to get out of this mental health funk? But it seems like every time I get into it, it's almost like it can be one thing to trigger it. As a counselor, we all know that it, it something triggers you to get to that point. And mm-hmm. every time something happens, I feel like I go deeper and deeper into depression, in which I thought myself as being a happy-go-lucky person would never be a person to think about, you know, suicide or even harming myself. But I'm at that point now. Um, I've been trying to get myself to climb myself out of it. Uh, but this is where I think the show here will hopefully help me on down the road with resources and just starting that conversation because we look at it as, as a black eye as saying in the black community, if you go get counseling, you're crazy. Why do you need counseling? Mm -hmm. Especially a black man, because a black man is supposed to be that provider. Mm -hmm. So, um, I just want to, you know, put it out there on the table and, you know, just, you know, go around and see what you guys think and, uh, and go from there. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm going to call you Jay because, like I said, I didn't want to mess your name up. (laughs) So let me touch on a couple of things that you said that are very important. One, culture wise. Um, If you grew up in a Black household, you heard that, you know, whatever happens in the house stays in the house. Going to see a therapist, nothing is going to, you know, it's not going to work. Go pray. Go pray about it. Mm -hmm. That's always been told in our culture, correct? Go pray about it. And whatever happens in the house stays in the house. Unfortunately, that does not always work, right? Um, We as African-Americans, we need to stop 
um, putting a negative view on therapy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We all have to have someone to talk to. We all need someone to talk to. And sometimes it's not the person that's in the house. Sometimes it's not the man upstairs because you want to hear that voice coming back when you're saying something, right? Mm -hmm. So what I want to do with you, Jay, is talk about a couple of things because COVID has played a big part of why a lot of people are depressed. Um, I told Tiffany before the show even started, I just had surgery in December and had went through a depression. Knowing my body was, um, and it is a great gift to know my triggers when it comes to depression because I've been dealing with it half my life. Uh, I think knowing triggers is very important. Knowing your body is important. Um, Come to find out, my depression was triggered by the anesthesia and didn't know that but because I knew my body I knew what I was going through were everyday things that I was going through and it shouldn't have did that right so for you what I want to know is where would you like to start talking about when you first started feeling depressed because I know you said COVID you know, when COVID happened, and I think it took a toll on everyone, but the suicide ideation that you have right now, where you're thinking about it, but not going through with it, you're not having a plan for it. Where do you think the, the depression part of it actually started for you? So I think it started, um, you know, right, you know, when COVID happened, when that, mm-hmm. right when it happened, you know, we all try to put on that face for your family. All right, we're going to be okay, but there's going to be some times to where it's going to be rough, but we got to get through it. So mm-hmm. you can't let your kids, because I have a young kid, I have two young kids, 9 and 11, and you don't want them to see you break or crack mm-hmm. because your kids are looking up to you as a father as that, you know, that threshold. He is the person who is going to be, you know, making sure that you're okay your confidant. And so for me, um, right after it happened, uh, I started seeing, you know, a lot of stuff on TV and TV is the one of the things because you see so much stuff going on and then you see a lot of people passing away from COVID and then you kind of get that anxiety like, Oh man, like, what if I, what if I die? What if, you know, what's going to happen to my kids? So that was a little bit of it, but what really triggered it was so, I was teaching, and when I was teaching, uh, they gave you an ultimatum. They was like, hey, you know, do you want to, you know, come back, you know, and teach? Or you can just, you know, let the job go. And at the time, I was more like, okay, well, I can't come back and teach because my kids were virtual, and me being a PE teacher, I had to be, you know, inside of the classroom. Well, there was no other option for me. My kids are always on first, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, cool, let's do it. One, I didn't want to do it because of one, you have, you know, yourself as the provider and then now everything goes to, you know, your wife. And even though Mm -hmm. in your marriage vows, you know, you say, you know, to death do us part. As a man, you're still going to think it back in your mind. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to still be that provider. But I had to take a back seat. This is COVID. You can't, nobody could, you know, get over COVID. Nobody could go around it. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, I first took it in as, okay, cool. You know, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, ride this thing out. And then thinking not thinking COVID is going to last that long. One year turned into two. Mm-hmm. So then, um, then it just started to hit me, like, you know, when my kids are like, oh, well, mommy can buy this and buy that. And I'm more like, damn, like, I can, I want to get it, but then I'll be, you know, absolute broke. So then I have to go into savings. So then you look at yourself like, I don't want to shortchange my kids because of my income you know, mm-hmm. status. So then as a man, when you start thinking about your income status, then you start thinking about, well, dang, if I can't provide for my kids, then what can I do? Even mm-hmm. though I'm here in the flesh, you still want to be able to, you know, provide for your household. Then I started trying to offer other jobs and then I was getting hit with, oh, you have too much experience or, oh, we're not going to pay you what you, you know, what you wanted. So then after that, after five or six months, turns to a year to two, now I'm almost like, all right, what is my purpose? And as a black man, it's hard to go say, hey, man, I need you or some help right now while everybody else is going through it. Mm -hmm. So, So then now... I'm in my corner. Why am I in my corner is because now I'm the cornerstone of my family. So even though when I have this whole armor of perfection, it's hard for me to step out and say, hey, I need to borrow $200 or $100 or something like that, because they're always looking for me for the answers. Mm-hmm. So me and myself and a black thing, I mean, a thing that black men, we have a problem with this, not only with mental health, but just in general is our pride. Our mm-hmm. pride is so big to where we would die with it in our hand yeah. because we feel like the pride is something that we just have to hold on to. And that's in relationships, you know, on and above. We mm-hmm. feel like our pride is everything. Mm-hmm. So the last straw was like, I was trying to do something uh, with a, you know, try to get my CDL. It's just a part of the process of which I was trying to, you know, set up a couple of things and I failed. And it went from, am I going to do this or I can do it to like, I don't even want to live no more because I'm feeling my family. Mm-hmm. So I've thought of it a couple of times and I've, I've had a friend who thought about it and we talked about it previously. He had got a gun. He went to a pawn shop and mm. uh, even the guy who was at the pawn shop even asked him, Hey, what you need this gun for? Because they, everybody knew him. Mm-hmm. And um, he was like, yeah, man, I'm thinking about suicide, blah, blah, blah. And the guy was telling him, no, nah, you don't need to do it. Well, you know, fast forward, you know, he was, you know, told me about it. Hey, I didn't feel like, you know, I wanted to live. I didn't want to do this. And it was on his mind. But we always told him, me and my other friend, hey, man, you have three wonderful boys to, you know, live for. They love you, blah, blah, blah. You know, then fast forward again, he had a very, very bad motorcycle accident. And a motorcycle accident left him paralyzed. Mm -hmm. So this is right before COVID. So when that happened, when that happened, um, he was in there to where, you know, in COVID, when it first happened, you can have any visitors, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. his family couldn't come, no friends could come, none of it. So then the next thing you know, 
the whole time he's calling me, hey, Jack, what's going on? And I'm like, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep up his spirits while my spirits are low as well. So he's like, yeah, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really tired. I'm trying to get out of here. And I could hear the hurt in his voice. And I was more like, how can I help this individual out when I'm going through my own problems? But at the time, I'm more like, if this man is paralyzed, that should give you the strength to do whatever you need to do. That should give you motivation. Well, right before uh, it happened, he kept telling me, man, I don't know if I'm going to make it, man. My mind, is, it feel like it's going crazy. At that time, he had been there for like 13 months. So then they lifted up the restrictions. And when they lifted the restrictions, the day before they lifted the restrictions, he died. So that took so much out of me. I was like, I feel hopeless. And I was more like, like I keep losing good people and then I'm turning around and I can't help myself. And it's almost like I couldn't get it together. And like now mm -hmm. I'm more like I'm at a phase to where either I get it right or I'd rather go home because I, I feel like I don't serve any purpose here. And that's my mind state now. I may get out of it tomorrow. I don't know how I may wake up tomorrow. But now my, my thing is I'm looking for what can I do in order for me to get out of this, to be better, to look back at it and say, man, I remember when I was in a dark place, but now, you know, I can, I can move along with my life. Okay. So tell me where would you like to start from? Where would you, where would you like this topic to start? Because you've given me a lot that we can talk about, but where would you like to start? I would like to start seeing if, what are the steps you think I should take in order for me to, to build my mental health back up? Because right now it's, I'm 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 really close to like, I'm on the I'm on the edge to where like I have no more room for any type of mental mistakes. Um, I feel like if anything or anyone was to say something to me, I may lose it. Mm -hmm. um, so what do you think I should start off by helping myself, or should I? take steps to go through this process you need a therapist you need a therapist and and i'm not gonna I'm, I'm not gonna say that you don't because the things that you're telling me just like i said the suicide ideation you're thinking about it you don't have steps for it but you're thinking about it you're sounding like you're depressed you you don't feel like you're a good provider which makes you feel like you're not a good father. It makes you feel like you're not a good husband. You're not a good friend because the family relies on you, right? It seems like what I'm hearing is that you feel like you're a burden mm -hmm. instead of helping. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that you see that you are a help. Mm -hmm. help comes there's different different definitions of help right. and like you said being a black man 
having that pride, you feel like you're not doing what you're supposed to do as a man, as a head of a household. But what you're not seeing is that you are because mm-hmm. you sacrificed yourself. Mm-hmm. And because I'm not a therapist, I don't want to talk like a therapist. I want to talk to you like um, a person. Mm-hmm. So you don't see that you sacrificed yourself in order for your wife to continue to work. You sacrificed yourself to take care of your children. Mm-hmm. That is being a man. <clears throat> That is being a man. Mm-hmm. You didn't choose to say, I'm just going to let my wife take care of it. I'm, I, I, she got it. I'm going to stay at home and I'm just going to chill. That's not what you did. Mm-hmm. What you did was said, I have to take care of my children. My children are homeschooled. Children are priorities. They don't ask to come into this world, right? right. right. So because they don't ask to come in this world, our jobs as parents is to put in 150% to them. And that's what you did as a father. Mm-hmm. My yeah. brother is a Mr. Mom is what I call him. His wife works. He takes care of his two kids. Even though his wife is back at work, it's not like, he, he puts them on the bus, they 10 and eight, his kids. He gets them up in the morning. He takes them to the bus stop. He comes home. Mm-hmm. He cooks meals. He washes clothes. He irons clothes. He cleans the house. He cooks dinner. He goes to the bus stop. He goes and gets them. He helps them with homework. His wife works. Mm-hmm. And I used to think to myself, man, how she do that? Like, that's can't no man be at home with me and not working, da 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 da. But I had to step back from that mm-hmm. because he's not at home watching TV and eating bonbons, as they used to call it back in the day, <laughs> right? He's not sitting on the sofa, you know, having a good time and eating popcorn and all this other stuff. That boy is working from the time he get those kids up until he puts those kids down, and it's every day. He cooks mm-hmm. a meal every day. He is being a man. Mm-hmm. That's an agreement that they came to. You and your wife came to an agreement as well. Right? right? Yeah. You are taking care of your children. You are being a provider to the household. You don't, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to monetarily be a provider. Mm-hmm. You can provide in other ways and that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think... So the thing is, I think it's more of me trying to really do my part. And I do the same thing that he does. I get up, make breakfast, get them, you know, get up brushing your teeth. I'm making a lunch. I'm making sure that they, you know, have their clothes on before we head out the house before 745, make it to school before 750, come home, wash, cook, clean, mop, do everything, make sure before they get home, you know, we're doing homework or we may do a magic uh, learning. Uh, and I cook. And the thing is, we're not hurting for money because she makes close to about to $200,000 a year, which is pretty good. But it's, I guess it's just me because I don't want my kids to think that 
oh, daddy's not working because, you know, kids be wanting this and that. And maybe I have to step back and take a look at the bigger picture. But what I am so keyed on is be able to get my kids what they wanted, what, you know, what they may ask for. And And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I shouldn't be hard on myself because I can't give my kids what they want now. Uh, but it's just hard because I always I always ask myself, like, how did I get here? I always dreamed of giving my kids whatever I didn't have. You know, for me, I didn't have my dad. So that was something that I felt like traumatized myself, even though we would talk about it, but we wouldn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. So... I always wanted to know, like, you know, why did my dad want me? Again, I felt like I was a burden. So my mom, she had me while she was young, so she left, so I stayed with my grandmother. So I always used to think, like, well, damn, my dad didn't want me. My mom is living her life. Like, why don't anybody want me? Never a bad kid, made great grades. And it hurt. Mm-hmm. Even now talking about it, it hurts because my dad, if Tiffany knows where we grew up, I stayed off of Homestead. So I stayed in Rosewood and he stayed in right off of Little York and Homestead. So he literally lived five lights down mm-hmm. and I never met him. And I always used to think like, well, did, you know, he didn't want me. Was I not good enough? Again, that burden again comes to, to play to where it's like, man, like if, and that's why I kind of always hang by myself because I feel like if you don't want me around, I'll leave. And I feel like to me that hurts the most because I feel like sometimes I'm a burden to people. So I stay away. So for me now I'm more just like, I always isolate, isolate myself like now. I don't go anywhere. I don't hang with any, well, I don't really have too many friends. I have guys I ran track with, but other than that, I don't have too many friends. But I always stay to myself because I felt like can't nobody get myself in trouble but myself. Mm-hmm. So if I'm hanging with somebody else, then, you know, there's more potential of getting to stuff I don't need to or being somewhere I don't need to be. So I just hang by myself. And that's how I've always been because of that feeling of having to be a void in someone's life. So I just think about myself. Yeah, so, go ahead. Jack, mm-hmm. I have to say that I'm, I am sorry. I'm sorry that society has you, and I'm sure tons of other men thinking that you know, not being a provider is not sufficient. You know, you're not, you're nothing. If you can't bring food on the table and you ain't bringing home the bacon and all that, I'm sorry that, um, you know, as black men, you, you have to deal with life's current burdens and things like COVID and, you know, the loss of your friend. Um, but then you still have to deal with being black and, you know, afraid to get pulled over by the police and, you know, just the, the racial um, connotations that it gives as well. I'm so sorry that you believe that, you know, if 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 you're not going to work every day, you're not being a good role model for your kids because 
you, me, and I don't know how many other people in this world grew up in a household without their fathers. And if my daddy was there folding clothes and putting me on the bus, I feel like I really do feel like I would have been a better person. Maybe I wouldn't have been so promiscuous. I don't know. That's, you know, that I'm sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> at that. But, you know, but I feel like, um, you know, I could have been a different type of person if my daddy was there. And so I really want you to know, just based on what you're saying, that you being there for your kids is more than any dollar that you can put, that you can make, more than any piece of bacon that you can put on the table. Just you being there for them. That's a beautiful example of, hey, you know, this happened to daddy. I stayed around. I stayed there. I, you know, I was still active in your life. I made it to dad and donuts day, you know, at school and stuff like that. I'm so sorry that you, and, and you are not the only one who think this, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a moment. It's happening right now. You know, COVID does have society and the economy in, in a disarray. And that's probably the reason, you know, that you're going through that part but please 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 don't feel like if you can't make a dollar you know then you ain't nothing you are so much more than that you are an amazing man an amazing father an amazing husband son you know all of those things um classmate friend you you are an awesome guy so uh, and I'm so sorry that society makes us believe that there are certain roles that we have to have we really got to do all that we can to break break those down. I just want to say that. I'm sorry, y'all. Thank you. So, Jay, how did you feel hearing all of that? It feels good because I'm I'm more of a nurturer, and mm-hmm. um, my family can call me two o'clock, one o'clock in the morning. I'm waking up. You need me. I'm going. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like when I'm going through something, it's almost like I don't hear from nobody. And I put sublim- subliminal messages on my Facebook, and even though it's something that I shouldn't express myself from if I really want somebody to hear. But my, my sister sees it all the time. My mom sees it. And my thing is, if I'm throwing out little messages, even though I know they're not my readers, y'all should know that something ain't right because I'm always the one that's getting the family together. We making things happen. We having a good time. We having this good together. And the time that you see stuff that's on my story and you don't see it, and I know you saw it, it's almost like, why are you not helping me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I feel abandoned again because sometimes it's just hard to go and talk to your spouse about some things because for me, because everybody's marital situation is different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard because I don't want to put more of a burden on her mm-hmm. than I'm already am. Mm-hmm. So it's just tough for me because sometimes I find like I don't have anybody to turn to. Like, what? Mm-hmm. where does the help go and get help? The help goes to get help from therapy. Okay. But this is what I do want to ask you because you mentioned that you don't want to be a burden to your wife. Does your wife have any idea about the way you're feeling? Like with the suicide, with the depression, with the anxiety, with 
the not working. Does she have any idea of your feelings at all? No. Okay. Um, another thing, because you talked about your dad and your mom and why nobody wants you. So this is a question. Have you ever thought about that them leaving you had nothing to do with you and more to do with them. Mm-hmm. Had you thought about your mom leaving you to give you a better life mm-hmm. as opposed to leaving you and not wanting you? Because there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a difference in leaving you and wanting you to have better mm-hmm. and leaving you because they didn't want you. Right. Um, I thought about it, but as a kid, you don't understand mm-hmm. at the moment, mm-hmm. meaning from a kid's standpoint, mm-hmm. you're not knowing all the variables that goes with it, all the, you know, the situations of what may happen. Right. Um, but I, when I met him, so I went to go find him. Um, and when I went to go find him, quick stories, like when I, I went to his job, a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, I know your dad. You know, I know he works at this place. And I was like, okay, cool. So when I went to go find him, I went into uh, his job. And the guy was like, you know, who, who you here for? I said, I'm looking for Essie Roy McGregor. So the guy was like, oh, man, come on in. So when I went in the room, the guy had his head on his desk. And um. You don't have to talk about it if you don't want. So when I um, I went in the office and that guy had his head on his desk. He raised his head up. And the guy, the guy was like, um, he was like, Chop. I was like, that's not my dad. And he was like, oh yeah, I'm your brother. And then I got furious because I was more like, well, how do you know me and I don't know you? Mm-hmm. Meaning that my dad knew about me and he was like, oh yeah, you know, um, dad is incarcerated. I apologize, y'all. Um, you okay? So Take your time. He was like, uh, oh yeah, um, you know, he's incarcerated, blah, 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 and but I give it to Granny, and I let her know. But we're going to preview anyway because you have a cousin. Well, at that time, I was so furious because I was thinking, like, well, damn, if they knew about me, why didn't you come? So for me, right then and there, I was like, well, he knew and still didn't come. Mm-hmm. So that you know, happened or whatever. I found out I had seven sisters or brothers. And um, at that time, I was more like thinking after I gave them my invitation for my graduation, I was thinking like, well, damn, like, well, how long has they been, you know, knowing about me? If they this close and his job is this close, why you didn't try to come and find me? So 
at that point, I just got enraged. And then ever since then, I, I not hated him, but I was I always wanted to ask him, like, why you didn't come for me? So then when I did finally meet him, we talked about it. You know, he wanted to give me a handshake. I gave him a hug. And then he was like, man, I always wanted to tell you, like you said, um, he was saying that, well, me and your mom had a situation. She did something. I didn't like it. And that's, that's why I left. So that resentment of him just saying that he left me kind of had me start all over again. And that's it. So ever since then, I just felt like I have been a burden to people. My mom, I've been a burden to her. She loved. So now this is why I stay to myself because I feel like if I get close to somebody else, they may leave again. Mm-hmm. So that that keeps me by myself all the time. So do you have any contact with your mom now? Yeah, me and my mom, we talked. After, after I had my kids, me and my mom got closer. Okay. Uh, we wasn't really close. You know, she got married. She got married to a guy that was very, very jealous of me and my sisters. We really couldn't come around as much. She got jealous of us if she gave her, us the attention. Um, uh, man, we I didn't even go to her her wedding to the guy because we that's how much I felt like he took away from me and my sister. So I didn't even go to the wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom was always trying to hide little things. Even if I asked for money, she would have to hide and give us money. I think that did something to me too, because I feel like if he's a part of you, he's a part of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, even when I graduated, graduated with my master's, uh, she didn't even come. So it's almost like I get all these acknowledgements, these accolades of being a great son, never been in trouble didn't start drinking until I was like 24, didn't start smoking weed till I was like maybe 28. So I was just a plain Jane gang, a plain Jane guy. Never got into any trouble. And my thing is then like, why are you not coming to these accomplishments that I'm having? Another, I just felt again, you left me to a point to where you didn't even want to come see that. So all these triggers, every time it happens, it just starts me all over. It gets me upset but now I'm learning to live with it and now they're teaching they have taught me what not to do with my kids Mm -hmm. and that's that brings me back to kind of what Tiffany said which I was definitely going to touch on I think we all if if you know you've had the situation of how you've grown up want your children or want better for your children, right? Me, I grew up in Sunnyside, you know, I'm a product of welfare and, you know, the government taking care of me and my sister and my mom and things like that. What I found though was giving my kids things that I didn't have didn't make them better. Mm-hmm. It didn't make them better. Mm-hmm. They are now not that they're bad kids. I mean, they're 31 and 24, so they're not Mm -hmm. bad, but the direction and path 
that me and their father put them on is not the path that they stayed on because every kid has to grow up and take their own journey that's what life is right they have to make their own mistakes they have to learn from those mistakes in order to not do them again buying your children things is material it's not what they need Mm -hmm. they need their father and you're doing way more than your own father did because you Mm -hmm. are there because Mm -hmm. you are caring because you do take them to school because you do take time out and you are with them you do those Mm -hmm. things so those things make you better than your dad already Mm -hmm. you being there with your children and you, you didn't have these children and, and you know, abandon your wife and them. You're mm-hmm. there. So you're doing better than your mom. Mm-hmm. I think that you only see the bad parts, which is what society has instilled in all of us but especially black men, that you're not worth it, that you're not enough. But you are, because your wife and your children show you that every day, that you are enough. And it's not about the material. It's about the physical. You are physically there with your family. You are physically there with them. Yeah. And do you know how many young men that have children and decide, hey, I can't get along with the mom, I'm gone. But still, it's taken out on the kids and they don't come back. Right. And that's not what you're doing. You're there, you're present. So instead of wanting to do the material things, maybe finding other things to do with them that does not cost arts and crafts movie nights you know going outside to play catch reading to each other yeah Mm -hmm. museum is free children's museum is free on thursday depending on how the kids are you know but there are things that you can do to substitute the material part of it until it can get that and the most important thing is communication with them to help them to understand that it's not about this all the time in life you're in life they're not going to always get what they want because it's reality right and this this is temporary and children can understand that that these things are temporary what you're going through is temporary Mm -hmm. and that can be explained to them and yeah. I know it's those things are easier said than done. And I say it because I've been there and not knowing, not feeling like I was a burden or anything like that, but it was more so of my husband has left. What am I going to do with my children? Mm-hmm. How am I going to make this? How am I going to live? You know, I didn't know either. You know, and it's hard. I I lost my house. I had to move out of my place. I couldn't afford my mortgage. I had to pull my child out of private school. You know, these are things that they were used to. 
You know, I couldn't send my daughter to Howard. She she had a partial scholarship to go to Howard and I couldn't send her because I couldn't afford to get her there, you know, but things work out the way they're supposed to. They sure do. They, they will work out the way they're supposed to. And for you, I think you're, you're really hard on yourself mm-hmm. and, it, and you're hard on yourself because of the money part of it. And mm-hmm. honestly, you're doing better than a whole lot of young fathers out there <laughs> that have decided to leave. Mm-hmm. Tiffany, you was a single mother, correct? I'm a single mother. I was a single mother. I mean, I'm still a single mother, but my kids are grown. I mean, it's a difference, yeah. but I'm just saying, you know, there are a lot of single women out there that wish their children's father or their yeah. husbands had stayed. And even if they didn't stay, if they had stayed in their children's lives, yeah. it's a lot of children out there that grew up without one, the other, or both. It's mm-hmm. some kids... This year in 2022, it's some children that haven't even seen their father all year. And we all we almost uh halfway in March. Okay. Yeah. And 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 then Jack, like seriously, with your parents' situation, with the, you know, um, I think the 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 psychological term, y'all hear me at, is the abandonment um that you feel. But tell me this, answer this question with with like complete honesty and Lisa you can too I answer myself would you rather have your dad or your mom there um to hang out with you laugh with you take you to the bus stop and do those types of things a picture of peanut butter and jelly sandwich or would you rather uh uh, uh, uh um what we used to have a game boy or an Atari like, yeah, 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 like if you look back to five-year-old jock five-year-old Lisa would you rather have them that brand new shiny new bike or would you rather have just a little time with your parents to get to know them so you can understand yourself better? Which one would yeah. you prefer? Yeah, I would prefer my parents because... Right. And that's how your kids feel. Your mm-hmm. kid, I mean, today they're not going to be able to voice that. They're not going to be able to express that to you at all. They are what? You say 11 and 9? 9, nine. mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They don't know. care about that stuff. Really, they don't. But when they when they get grown and they look back and they tell each other, because you know how siblings talk. Man, you remember that time, Daddy tried to make us a peanut butter sandwich and he didn't put enough jelly, and that stuff you you know kept up at the top of our mouth. Those memories like that are worth more than anything that you could ever purchase for your kids. Yeah, it's I memories. Promise. It's memories because. You're sitting here today talking about memories mm-hmm. and pain. You're talking about abandonment. Mm-hmm. You're talking about depression and being mm-hmm. suicidal. But you're also saying, I do this with my kids. I'm there for my kids. I'm there for my wife. Mm-hmm. I'm there for family. Even though you feel like nobody is there for you, they really are there for you. Your children are being there for you. Do they put a smile on your face? Oh yeah, every day. Yeah, every day. Somebody. Your wife is there. Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's it's, and like I say, it's easier said than done because Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't understand it from a black male perspective, right? Mm -hmm. The the dynamics are definitely different for men and women. Okay, Mm -hmm. 
you are right. Society does say, man, you sorry if you, you know, you ain't got a job and you're worthless and you this and that if you have, you know, if your, your wife taking care of you. And then you have what I like to call the chosen one syndrome. It's always one in a family <laughs> where everybody runs to when something is wrong. But when you need, nobody's there. Mm-hmm. Nobody's there. I'm the chosen one of mine. Tiffany, mm-hmm. I'm sure, is the chosen one of her. And I know you're the chosen one of yours, Tiffany. I do know. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's, it's a burden. It's a heavy burden. But this is one thing that I will say about that and about all of it. God never puts any more on you than you can handle. Come on, sister. He you never, ever on. does. You never does. And it's hard to see it when you're going through it. That's it true. really, really is. It's so hard to see it when you're going through it. But I promise you, you are going to come out on the other side of this. Oh, and yeah. it may just require you rethinking your plans. Mm-hmm. Because remember, your plans are not your plans. They're his plans, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So yeah. where you're saying, and what I know you probably doing, you said, this would be easy. Let me go get my CDL because you know what? I can drive trucks. I can start getting the money coming in. Mm-hmm. That may not be the path he wants you on. Right. I know it seems simple to read this driver's license book and take this test. My ex-husband drives trucks. Easier to do. But that may not be the path for you. You sit up here and told me you have a degree. You work in counseling. Like, why aren't you doing it? Do you know out of the two years that people were locked in for that year and a half and some still are even just wanting to be home and are at home, so many people's mental has been tested. Mm-hmm. And really, you could be helping a lot of people from home with telehealth. Mm-hmm. And you and might you know not what? have even thought about it. We'll be back after these messages. The Tiffany Gray Shop will open for business on March 15th. Subscribers get 20% off your entire purchase. Visit TiffanyFay.com to subscribe today for this exclusive offer. And I just want to add this too. Um, as I was doing research for this show, for this um, for tonight's show, I read um, that less than two percent of African American Psychological Association members are—I mean, of American um, Psychological Association members—are Black or African American. And this, in this guys, to me, based on the research and you know talking to men like you, John, and just you know having conversations in general, this is part of the problem. There is nobody to go to and talk to. There's not enough African American men in this field. I went on my, um, I went to my contacts list. I went on Instagram contacts. I went on Facebook contacts, TikTok, TikTok contacts. I said, oh, we need a man to come on this show and talk with Jock and Lisa. 
do you know that I probably have one of my colleagues or classmates or people in my contacts that's a male that's a counselor? So what we're seeing is men are seeking help in barbershops. Men are getting their help from their friends, which are also you know, in need of their own personal help and hard to guide people. Men are seeking help from the clergy, which that is limited resource. I mean, it's good, guys, good, don't get me wrong, but that limited, that resource is limited because those people are men, you know, first. And then all those other things. So one of the things that guys are like, yeah, I know everybody's saying, you know, go get therapy. Yeah, I see Jay-Z get therapy now. And um, all these guys talking about, you know, Kanye West and everybody saying they get therapy and they better and all the same kind of stuff. I want to do that too. But who, are, who can I talk to? I really don't want to talk to John Wilkos speaker because he doesn't know mm-hmm. about my struggle. He doesn't understand right. when I walk outside. I'm scared when I, when I see the flashing lights. Like there was, there was a whole thing that y'all go through. I don't understand it. I can hardly, I can hardly relate. I can, but I can't. And so, what what we need to see is 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 what the black men need to see is somebody that they can go and talk to that they can relate to. But it's not very many of them. Many. Yeah. That says less than two percent of these folks are African American. And and I feel like that there was a need and and you know, with your counseling degree and all that, I'm going to tell you, for 10 years, I was a part of corporate America. My last job, I applied two or three times, I can't even remember, for a promotion. You know, every single time they told me, no, no, no. Sometimes they said, no, yeah, try this. A no with no explanation. They said no, 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 no. And I couldn't understand it. And at first I'll get mad, you know, I'll get angry, pissed off. Like, why no? I'm sitting up here doing the stuff that you're paying people to do. Like, why, why can't I? What is it that I'm lacking? But you know, at the end of the day, what I learned the last time they told me no. Well, first the last time they told me no, um, I received a phone call from one of my uh associates saying, hey. We have eight uh, tax locations that we need you in. And I was like, what? I was going to do this if I was still, uh, you know, trying to pursue that other position. So what I learned from that whole entire experience is that no, you know, that failing of the CDL, you know, all of those no's sometimes for one thing that you think you want, that you think is your next step, is actually a yes for something else. God said, no, ma'am, Tiffany, because you over here sitting behind this desk and you're not reaching people the way I need you to reach. You're not going to be available to have the Talk About It with Tiffany Faith podcast to help these business owners. You're not going to be here to talk to Jock when he's going through a whole uh, traumatic experience and connect him with Lisa so that they can try to work some things out to help pull him out of the situation. We wouldn't even be having this conversation. You know, so sometimes those no's that you get and those, you know, things that you think you want, they actually mean yes to something else was already predestined for you. But God said, this is what we want you to do. This is what I really want you to do. I already have it written. Yeah, I know you want to do this, but this is what I really want you to do. And you'll see the reason why later. You may not see it right now, but you're going to see it later. So sometimes you just have to just, you know, just go with it and, and just imagine how many people you can help with your story that you're telling today. How many lives yeah. you touch? 
how many people you can change, how many families could you save, how many other brothers are going through the exact same thing that you're going through. They're waiting on you to come out of this on a clean side so that you can talk to them and give them a step-by-step. This is what I did. This is how I did it. This is, you know, they waiting on you, man. They waiting And on not you. just that. I mean, just to even tell your story because you're not the only person that's going through this or feeling this. You're not the only person that's feeling this way. I mean, you just talked about your friend last year. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I mean, I think it's a lot of men out there that could benefit from hearing what you're saying and how mm-hmm. you're feeling and can relate to mm-hmm. you. And right. with that, do you know how many people that you really can touch? I mean, Tiffany is just doing this. Had you even ever just thought about, man, maybe I need to reach out to the brothers that's out there. Mm-hmm. Let me get a platform together and just reach out to see who I can help. Because while you're helping them, they could be helping you too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. y'all are in this together, you right. know? So let me ask you this. So now since the veil has kind of been lifted with COVID and your children, are they back in school? Yeah, they're back in school now. They go to school out here in Alvin ISD. So they're they're back in school. They're going, you know, face to face now. You know, they kinda um they're kinda letting the whole restriction things as far as masks, you know, uh you know, they just passed that thing to where they don't have to mandate it. Mm-hmm. So they're back, you know, they're back in school. You they're doing well. Um so had you thought this, about going back? To a teach or a school? Mm-hmm. I thought about it, and it's funny that you say you come from uh, Sunnyside because I was at Addicts Middle oh. School, mm-hmm. and Addicts, man, you know those kids need that. And I'm t- telling you, I was probably being a motivational speaker to those kids every day because mm-hmm. of the of the conditions, you know, in which they come to school every day. It mm-hmm. can be thirty degrees, thirty degrees outside. Some kids don't have a jacket; they walk into school with blankets, and mm-hmm. I'm telling them. Don't be a a product of your environment. Let this mm-hmm. just be a path, a pathway to greatness. And you, mm-hmm. you know, when you do come back, come back and help someone else. You don't have to come back and say, "Hey, I, I got to be real. I got to be in the hood. I got to be, you know, be true to mine." No, mm-hmm. go see this world. Go to the navy. Go to the army. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I was telling kids. You know, uh, us and addicts. You know, they had a whole college day to where you know. You let the kids know, hey, if you want to go to college, you can do this. But on my own, I used to tell them, look, you ain't got to go to college. You can be an entrepreneur. You can start your own business. You can go out here and, and you know, uh, probably work at the post office and make great money. You can work at, you know, as a, uh, a truck driver. Even at the time, I wasn't even thinking about it. I was still letting them know you can still go make a great living and be somebody. You don't always have to follow that college trait. So right. that was like one of my biggest things. But when it was taken away from me, uh, the first thing I thought about was the kids and how I motivated them and how I missed them. So I, I've thought about it. Um, I have to sit down and talk to my wife about it again, mm-hmm. but I have some plans with the whole CDL from branching off to teaching my kids how to run a business to flipping home soon after that. But um, I'm coaching Little League football, so I'm steady with kids anyway. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I give back to the community. I'm my son's coach and I coach track too. So I'm my son and daughter's coach for track. So mm-hmm. I'm very involved into the youth and I'm always giving back and because I've always wanted that 
that that father that that's a the the void was having that male perspective on telling me how I, how I should do things mm-hmm. and how I should go about it. So, but look, you uh, didn't even need it. You didn't even need it. You're doing it. You're doing right. it because mm-hmm. it's the opposite of what you had, right? You're doing right. the opposite of what you did not have. You're doing the the opposite of your dad and your mom. Mm-hmm. You're being there. You're showing mm-hmm. up. You're showing up for everything. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. I guess I, I think it's true. To, you know what both of you ladies said. I probably have to not be so hard on myself because I'm always looking to make things right. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you're the cornerstone or when you are the leader of you know different situations you're always trying to perfect that objective you're always trying to find an answer to something even though you don't know the answer you're still trying to make sure you do right by this situation Mm -hmm. Um, and so for me uh, I have to sit back you know and game plan myself again but not having so many perfective expectations about myself and just let things go and if it doesn't you know go according to plan it just keep living you know because mm-hmm. eventually it'll come together that sounds I think, wonderful i think that's the plan I that sounds yeah. so wonderful i mean i'm still going to give you some therapy information when we finish okay. up okay. um if you want to take advantage of it but uh i definitely think it's a, you know, take your time day by day and make a plan, mm-hmm. make a plan. If this doesn't work, then something else will work, but you will know it when it happens. Mm-hmm. Really what you're telling me is you love children. Mm-hmm. You love working with children. Yeah. And that's, that may be your calling. And I think you've already started, like you say, you, you do the track thing, which I'm gonna have to talk to you about because my grandkids might want to do that. And you mm-hmm. do like the football thing, which my grandsons may want to do that too. And, uh, mm-hmm. you're there, you're showing up, you know, I think that you need to start figuring out how you can be more involved with children, whether you're going back to your roots as in teaching or whether you decide to take something on yourself, like creating some kind of organization for young men, even doing this way through a Zoom to be able to talk to you about how to prepare themselves for college, how yeah, to prepare themselves program. for testing. Yeah, some type of mentor program. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and it doesn't have to cost anything because for me, when I see you and I'm listening to you, Although you're talking about the monetary part of it, you are being these kids, big brothers, Mm -hmm. fathers that they don't have. And you can make a difference in their lives. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think that's big. And it's funny. We're talking about it because I call just out of the blue. I called two of my kids uh, who plays on my football team. And I just called them just to check on them. And the parents, the moms were so elated that I called. They was like, oh, you know, that's nice. But for me, that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call on these kids and check on them because I know they, you know, are what they sing parent mothers. And, you know, for me, every time I talk to them, I ask them, you know, how you doing? 
You're doing good high school. And before we hang up, I always tell them, take care of your mother because mm -hmm. I was in that position. Take care of your mother. But I want to be that pinnacle of what, a reflection of what they should do. So that's mm -hmm. why I've always come around. I'm always a straight and narrow, but I'm always in a giving and loving spirit, no matter mm -hmm. what, no matter what's going on. I want to be on that personal level to where when I talk to you, you can always open up to me because the first thing to a kid's heart is they have to be able to trust you. Mm -hmm. If they don't trust you, they will not open up. So once I, you know, let the parents know, hey, your kid's in good hands with us. You know, if they come over here and play with my son or if we go out, because uh, we sometimes we go take them out, laser tag, different activities. Mm -hmm. They kids to be in good hands and their parents would be like, man, they would, he would coach Jock, so I know they're good. Mm -hmm. And so that's the type of relationship I build with different parents and things like that. And um, I love it. And maybe I should, you know, think about going back to the whole little school function thing. I, I just have to sit down and think about the numbers and retirement and, and things like that. But, you know, I, I, and pray and pray about it. I think mm -hmm. that's my biggest thing to mm -hmm. him to give me the wisdom and the vision. Um, mm -hmm. and that is. I'm, I'm, Right. And I'm glad you guys said that because I've already had um, I wanted to make a safe haven uh, off of uh, Little York and um, and Homestead. It's a little area over that I've, I've been thinking about and I was going to name it after my coach. And but this is all behind the plans of, you know, getting to know people. I used to work with the city of Houston, then getting my money behind me. And then after that, hopefully everything falls in place falls into place so maybe I should sit back down write down all these goals see yeah. what happens and go from there yeah you know how goal setting works I mean we wake up every morning and we figure out this is what I'm going to do today but then life happens, happens. and yeah. you know you have to change this and you know rearrange here and there and that's and that's mm -hmm. just that's just how it's going to go because God wants you to do one thing you're trying to do with something else and, and are you trying to force it or it, it could be something as simple as I didn't want him to you know pass right now I didn't want him to um, complete the course right now because I need him to be home on this day it could be something as small as that or it could be I need him to be in this frame of mind just so he can have this conversation with Tiffany and Lisa like it could be it could be the smallest thing um but but that's just how it works and sometimes you just have to reset and change your perception sometimes you know you have this this narrative in your head um man I gotta do this I gotta get it that way da, da, da. I understand the pressures I do because you know Instagram and social media and all that kind of stuff they it's you know yeah. It's, yeah. it's there. So change your yeah. perception and just um, change how you think about some of these situations, especially the um, being a provider for, um, you know, your kids and stuff and, and just change it to be like, man, I'm probably not making a whole lot of money and I can't buy them a scooter or whatever it is, you know, that you feel like you just right. have to do for them. But um, and change that to wow, my kids are really smart. I'm glad I get to spend this time with them like this. Mm -hmm. And it may be something that they need right now. This might be one of the times, especially like with, with the sons and, and, and the daughters, it may be a time where they just need daddy right now. And God just right. put it, put put you right there with them. You really right. never know. But all you can do is just go with the flow and 
you know, don't give up. Like, don't stand still, you know, and just be like, I ain't doing shit because I can't, you know, figure it out. But, you know what I'm saying? Move forward at a safe and steady pace, but also pay attention to, to what's going on. You being at home right now is an opportunity for you to do something else. Like, I'm going to get my CDL so I can establish my transportation company, Logistics, which is the bomb.com right now. I even thought about um, dispatching, but still. You know, it gives you the opportunity to think of something else. And then sometimes when we make moves, like going back to teach uh, at school to help, if you feel like it's something that you just have to do, um, going back to school to help out with the finances, you might run into somebody's, uh, one of the teachers, her husband has this company and, you know, you, you can mm-hmm. connect with them. It might be because sometimes these little pieces just come together. Yeah, Even when you yeah. don't try, mainly when you don't try, that's when those pieces yeah. come together. Yeah, and I, I, I want to say um, a thank you uh, to both of you, young ladies, because trust me, it's a million, a million or more men who wants to talk about this, but they too, <clears throat> they're too afraid for someone to make that first step. So hopefully, mm-hmm. I've taken that step to let the young men know that, you know, it's nothing wrong with, you know, having that, you know, emotional side. Because one thing about us as men, we have so much built up and frustration that we take it out. We take it out on others who love us. Mm -hmm. And we tend to not express ourselves to let them know this is why I'm upset. And and to go back, I think that's one of the things that I've I've I have to work on because I I can be having just a bad day just thinking like, man, why I can't get anything right? And then I hash it out on my kids. And then when I lay down at night, I tell myself like, man, I know I love my kids. I shouldn't have done that. But if I just was to sit down and let my kids know, hey, I'm having a bad day, y'all, not right now, or just express to them that, hey, daddy's just not in the mood, then now we can move forward without having any type of friction. But I know it's a million... Because like you said, in the barbershop, men will tell you, you want to listen to, you know, what we have to say, go to a barbershop and just sit down. You're going to listen to any and everything that comes out because that is our, our central location of counseling because mm-hmm. we won't get judged. Nobody's going to look at you differently. Everybody's going to say, man, me too. Oh, you mm-hmm. thought about that? Oh, man, me too, man. I, I didn't know you was feeling like that. And some people, that's when they have the best vibes when they're in the barbershop. But as you can see, I'm bald-headed, so I can't go preach to nobody because I cut my own hair. <laughs> but I, I, I want to, to say thank you because there's a lot of young men out there. Uh, and, the, and I want to let the young men know, don't go along with the stigma saying that you can't go and you're not tough and stuff like that. Trust me. You know, when we get back down into situations, situations can make the strongest man cry. Mm-hmm. So we have to make sure that we do reach out to someone because there's always someone out there that's saying, man, I wish he would have just called me. And that's how right. I felt about one of my good friends when he passed away. I was like, man, I wish he just would have called me back and said, hey, man, I, I ain't feeling my best. And I would have just took out that five or 10 minutes can right. change his whole mind um, and, and give him some help. So. I thank yeah. you and I really appreciate you. I really I appreciate wanna, it. I really want to thank you for being so vulnerable. 
I know this was very difficult for you to do. I mean, right now it's just the three of us talking, but you know, as Miss International said, this is international mm-hmm. for her. So a, a lot of mm-hmm. people are going to hear this, but yeah. mm-hmm. because you were so vulnerable and because you were so open, you've actually started the dialogue for men to be mm-hmm. able to communicate and express themselves, tears and all, and mm-hmm. feel like they're not going to be judged because I am not judging you. It really mm-hmm. hurt me that you feel that way. Yeah. It really hurt me that um, that it, it, it really hurts. It hurts mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. see another African-American man, a black man, uh, be let down by society. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandsons are without their father and it hurts me to see them without that, especially with one of them asking, well, when are we going to get a dad? And my daughter feeling like she has mm-hmm. to get married so they can have a dad. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. It's not the case because women can be absolute great providers and mothers to their sons and teach them right from wrong. And although boys do need a certain male figure, some type of male figure in their life, it doesn't mean that they can't grow up to be successful, productive men in society. And that's what you are. You are a productive black man in society. The money does not matter. You are being productive with your children. You take other children under your wing. You mentor. You are being a a black man in society that did not fail. Mm -hmm. You're not failing just because you're not working. It's Mm -hmm. not that you can't work. You can go. You can go teach again if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. Do you want to is the question. Mm-hmm. Is that for you? And that's where you have to have those A, B, and C plans because here you are with your A plan, which was the CDL, and it didn't pan out. So where's your B plan? What's the B plan if this didn't if this didn't work? What was the B plan? And then if the B plan doesn't work, what's the C plan? Right, right, right. Where, where you have to have these plans because right. if you don't. What you'll do is like, you probably were banking on this CDL and you were going, oh yeah, this, this will be no problem. I got this, you know, I, I'm degreed, I'm smart, I'm this, I'm that, but mm-hmm. it didn't pan out, right? right so right. it's now what? Like you said, you came in and you're depressed, you, you know, you feel like a failure and you feel like this and you feel like that mm-hmm. and it's all heavy, you feel like this burden, but it's because you didn't have that plan B because you counted on that plan A to work. You you counted on that plan A to work. So Mm -hmm. now it's, I can even say with myself, if I don't pass, (laughs) if I decide not to drop, what is going to be my next plan if I do drop? Mm -hmm. If I say, I don't want to be a therapist, I don't want to keep doing this. If I don't pass the licensing exam, what's going to be the plan B? Do I take it over again? Well, Mm yeah, yeah. Or am I going to stay where I am? What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. We have to have these plans because when we count on something specific and it doesn't pan out for us, mm-hmm. then we're always disappointed and we feel like right. this failure. But we can't mm-hmm. think like that. We have to understand that things happen mm-hmm. for a reason. 
It's yes. a reason, like Tiffany said, that you didn't pass that CDL. Now, you can go take it again. It's not like you can't take it again. Mm -hmm. So it's no reason to feel bad about it. I mean, but to me, it sounds like you put all your eggs in that basket because mm -hmm. you wanted this to happen because you didn't mm -hmm. want to keep feeling like this failure, this burden, not making money, not being able to get your kids. But it's something else that's trying to be showed to you. And the way you talk tonight about children, the kids, children, the kids, children, the kids, it's something that you're supposed to be doing with kids. And I don't know what it is, but it sounds like you're supposed to be doing something with children, whether it's you going to get that, that, that space and making a safe space for them and mentoring them, but it's something that you're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. right. well I, I, I'm gonna look at it uh, I think for me I think that's the path that I first really wanted to do and now that we're talking about it I think that's something that I really want to probably look into it deep into it because man kids are everything and I one reason why I wanted to start working with kids is because I didn't want them to feel how I felt mm -hmm. and that means alone so when they can have somebody they can count on, somebody that they feel like every time they're around them, they're safe and secure, they can be themselves, mm -hmm. then that's what I wanted to give them. And maybe I should give it another shot um, and, uh, and try to put it together. So before Tiffany, I don't know if this is your time to wrap up. Is this your time to wrap up, too? We're going to do the Tiffany's Corner. Okay, so quick question. I, I have a quick question okay. for Jay. So mm -hmm. from the time we started this conversation, even before everything started rolling to now, how do you feel? Yeah, that's what I want to know too. I, I feel I feel good. I feel like I, I, it was a weight lifted off my shoulders. It's, it's because I still haven't had that conversation with my mom and my dad about how I felt. So mm -hmm. even just presenting it to you guys, it felt good to let somebody know, like, this is how I'm really feeling. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if, I have, if I'm going to build up my, myself to even come to having that conversation with them. But <sighs> me, who I am, I always like to brush stuff off my shoulders, meaning like, okay, that didn't happen. Let's just keep going. But it made me feel so good because others are letting me know that I'm not a failure. You guys let me know that I am a great father. I don't have to be a, a person who has all this amount of money to be a, a fantastic father. And I can do that because I'm so tunnel vision on getting my kids the things that I didn't have by purchasing them. Even though now that I'm thinking about it, you shouldn't have to purchase your kids love because kids are going to give you so much love they don't look at stuff like that mm -hmm. like you guys said you know they're gonna be the saying hey remember when dad fixed this and did that yeah and they're gonna enjoy those times but mm -hmm. i myself i feel like i have to before i pass away i want to make sure that my kids felt like i left something for them you did you did right. you are you're leaving them memories you're leaving them beautiful memories. Do you know how many kids, how kids talk? And mm -hmm. one of your children's kids may be saying, 
man, I wish my dad was around. My dad haven't taught me how to ride a bike. I haven't seen my dad in a year. Kind of like what you probably were saying when you were younger. But your mm-hmm. kids are going to be able to say, huh, my dad get on my nerve. He got every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. He get <laughs> on my nerve. He got all the time. He always mm-hmm. hugging on us and always kissing mm-hmm. on us. But when they get 17 and 20 and 25 and get ready to get married and have their own children, they're going to look back and say, man, my dad was there all the time. Yep. He was there all the time. He was there when I didn't even want him to be there. (laughs) But he was there. Mm -hmm. And that is priceless. That's right. That's priceless. And you don't see it now. But I promise you, you're going to hear it. You're going to hear, thank you, Dad, for Mm -hmm. being there. You're going to hear it. I promise and also about the, the conversation with the parents. I just want to go back to that conversation with the parents. Um, I had to have a conversation with my dad because my dad wasn't um, a very active father in my life. I, there, I went years without seeing him um, at times. And when I became an adult and he started coming around again, I tried to move on like nothing you know, was happening because I myself was raised by my big brothers, which means I'm part boy. So um, when, when it comes to emotions and crying and all that kind of stuff, like you don't do that. Like man right, up, right. you know what I'm right. saying? Um, take care of your business. Have me a business. Right. It, was, it was that for me. So um, I, I finally had enough, you know, I couldn't keep on this fake thing with my dad. And so I had to ask him, I said, dad, you know, where were you? And all my concerns about, you know, when I was younger, um, you know, man, there was some time I was going to school with some holes in my shoes. Bro, we could use the hand. Like, what was up? What was going on? And my dad had that conversation with me. He, He talked to me and told me exactly what happened. He told me everything from the beginning to the end. And he said, you know what? I wasn't there then. He didn't even say he was sorry, honestly. But he said, I'm here now. And I'll, you know, I'll be here um, moving forward. What are we gonna do? And so it was like, oh good, okay, I'll take this. I, I get it. You know, and sometimes I can talk to him every day. Sometimes I just can't because you know, childhood trauma stuff. But then on another note, um, with my mother, it was a lot of things going on, even though she was there, it was a lot of things mm-hmm. going on. Tiffany Faith should not have seen, done, heard, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of things that shouldn't happen. Um, with my mom, I would I would ask her, you know, what was going on then? What you know, what was this? What was that? She has no recollection of some of some of my most horrific times in my childhood. Mm-hmm. She has no idea. Mm-hmm. So I never got an apology. I never got you know, it's just straight denial. So we, if if you ever feel like you need to go talk to your parents or if you ever make that decision to talk to your parents about it, just be open. Um, you never know what type of reaction or response you're going to get. They may tell you exactly what you want to hear or they may piss you off even more, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, be prepared for what you may not want to hear. Right. Right. And then sometimes they don't even feel like they did anything wrong. So I just, yeah. you know, tread lightly and, you know, good, good luck. Well, well, with me having a big heart, you know, um, 
I'm always forgiving. So I don't really, you know, recollect on the past. Um, I think when I, I first saw my dad, when I saw him, uh, we talked about it. And when we talked about it, uh, we was about to leave. And again, he comes with this handshake. And I was like, no, I want a hug. So I gave him a hug. Because I always told myself, if he was to pass away the next day, I can be at peace. Mm -hmm. So I always look at the the brighter side of things. Uh, so now, even when I would, you know, go see him from time to time, you know, he's on drugs or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I let my kids see him, uh, but you know, I just pray for him. And but this is something that we have to do. Uh, as young men, as teach our kids, like, you know, but then too, you know, you never know, you know, he has a different side to his story. You never know how he got there. Mm -hmm. So I never, I, I never look at him as a bad person or anything like that. Uh, because we're all one mistake away from having a life changing episode. That's so, um, so for me, you know, I may, maybe if I don't talk to him, you know, um, you know, I can be, you know, I'll be at peace. But my mom, I think we can have a conversation because it's we, I think we're both scared to have that conversation because mm -hmm. my, my mom will have, my mom will have it. Like you said, Tiffany, you can talk to your dad every day. Like I talk to her sometimes every other day. But when we talk about something that needs to be talked about, I, I don't know what I'm going to get. I may get a she may get emotional, start crying, or she may get up and walk out, mm -hmm. or she may hang up the phone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, that's something that I will have to uh, to work on and see how mm -hmm. they go. And it will be one of those things that you're just going to have to respect if it doesn't happen, right? Oh, because yeah, yeah, right. you definitely don't know the circumstances of her leaving you with your grandmother. Mm -hmm. It was... To me, it just seems like it was the uh, it was the best alternative for her with whatever she was going through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so she may not want to ever tell you what she was going through. And you have to be okay with that, but you also need to let her know it's okay. Because it's going to be about how you approach it. Like mm -hmm. you wanting to know, hey, I, I really would like to know how and why I ended up here as opposed mm -hmm. to being with my mother. If it's too difficult for you, I understand that. I just feel like I have a void that needs to be filled. If you can't fulfill that void, I understand because you're here now and it's all that matters. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a way you're going to have to make her feel comfortable because unfortunately, parents back in that day, the 70s, they were a different breed of parents. Mm -hmm. They were a different breed of parents. I experienced mm -hmm. some things and seen some things that I probably shouldn't have seen either. Mm -hmm. But things happen. I'm mm -hmm. just definitely not that one to dwell on it. Um, mm -hmm. For me, it's me letting my mom know, hey, I know you did the best you could, mm -hmm. even though I still have um, some childhood trauma that I didn't appreciate. Looking back at it now, a lot of situations that I was put in would be considered horrible right now, mm -hmm. and you know, for children. So yeah. for me, I don't dwell on it. 
My dad passed away when I was like um, 20 and I saw him three times in my life. I didn't mm. get to really know him, but at the end of the day when he passed, I sent the flower to go on top of his casket. I ain't got no hard feelings. I had a great stepdad that, you know, uh, ended up leaving, you know, my mom when I was probably like nine or 10 and remarried and all that, but he was still my dad, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I had no hard feelings for either one of them and both of them have passed now, but it's sometimes, like Tiffany said, those parents, they, depending on what they were doing back then, don't even remember. Right. <laughs> they right. don't even remember. Right. They will sit there and go, yeah, I didn't do that. I, I hear that from my mom a lot. They're like, I don't I don't remember doing it. Yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. So now I don't even talk about it because it doesn't change anything. It, it mm-hmm. really made me who I am. Mm-hmm. Like it made you who you are. And that's yeah. what I was trying to get to you at the beginning. You don't mm-hmm. see it because you are angry. You're upset. You're depressed. You have anxiety. You're stressed. Mm-hmm. Uh you have these negative thoughts, but your parents actually did you a favor because you probably would not even be the man that you are had they stayed together and kept you with them. Hmm. You probably wouldn't even be the person that you are. Right. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. You probably wouldn't. Oh, true. So, um, but I think that conversation will be had soon. Um, but I think y'all, uh, this is so, uh, it's just a huge relief to, for someone to talk to you and not be judged. And I think that's another thing that we have as individuals in the black community, because sometimes we feel like we can't reach out this men and women, because mm-hmm. we feel like so many times we're going to be feel like we're going to be judged by someone after that conversation is over with. And this is why we don't sometimes reach out to other individuals because we feel like, well, damn, they gonna look at me like I'm crazy. Like, if you only knew the countless nights that I just couldn't sleep and I couldn't, you know, call nobody or text somebody and say, hey, I, I got an issue. And then they may look at their phone like, man, it's two o'clock in the morning. And then now that puts me even down in the deep, darker hole to feel like mm-hmm. I'm really not gonna talk to nobody. So mm-hmm. just to have this conversation with you, hopefully that can be a kickstart to young men who can really just reach out. And I think Tiffany, this would be a great platform, maybe once a month, every two, or th- uh, maybe two or three months, you can just have people to call in. I'm telling you, it's gonna be so many men blowing up that line or trying to be on the live to say, hey, I'm feeling like this. and. I've been feeling like this for years. I just didn't know where to turn. Okay. So um, I thank you. I thank both of you young ladies. You guys are wonderful. Uh, this has uh, lifted a bunch of burdens off of my shoulders. Uh, and I will continue to be a blessing to those kids, my kids, you know, of my own, uh, and continue to let God use me with his wisdom and vision. And I really appreciate you, Larry. Amen. Okay, we got to lighten the mood. We're going to go to, I mean, first, thank you guys for coming and doing this. We got to do a Tiffany's Corner. I'm sitting here trying to think of something uh, goofy and silly to talk about so that we can laugh a little bit, a little bit, uh, at least. <laughs> oh, you want me to tell you a dirty joke? I can tell you a dirty joke. 
Okay, so okay, wait, wait, wait. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the last segment of the show. We call it Tiffany's Corner. By now, it should be catching on. The reason it's called Tiffany's Corner is because I get into the corner a lot for saying the most inappropriate things at the most inappropriate times. So take it away, Lisa, with a dirty joke. Okay, so when I tell this joke, we ending, right? Right. You're gonna be laughing like crazy. So this is the do only dirty. Do I need to go huh? pee? Do I need to go pee first? Because I am not trying to pee on myself. No, silly. <laughs> okay. So this is so this is a joke I was told when um I don't know where I was told this joke at, but um, it was told to me about ten, seven, eight years ago or whatever. And so uh, it's uh, what is the difference? between a pizza delivery person and a gynecologist? Uh, they see different meats. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Gynecologists don't see no meat, but okay. <laughs> Well, I mean, technically, I mean, yeah, technically they do. Technically, but yeah, depending on the kind of meat you're talking about, okay? So, shut up, girl. Uh -huh. You know, the labia menorah. Stop it, Tiffany. Okay. Okay, so the difference between a pizza delivery person and a gynecologist is they both can touch it, they both can sniff it, but they both can't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I ain't even thinking about that. <laughs> Am I in the corner now, Tiffany? <laughs> what, Tiffany? That was funny. That was funny, too. I like that. Tiffany, that Wait, was say funny. it again. Okay, I must have missed it. Okay, say it again. I'm going to try to find a humor. I'm trying to find humor. Okay, come on, come on, come on. So they both can, they, touch they, they both can touch it. They both, they both can sniff it, see it, but they mm -hmm. can't eat it. Eat it. The gynecologist can't eat you. And nor can a pizza delivery. Uh. Only if he's delivering a pizza. He can touch the right. pizza. He can sniff the pizza. He can eat the pizza. But the gynecologist can't touch you, sniff you, and eat you. He can only touch you and sniff you. <laughs> <laughs> you go, slow. It's gonna come. It's gonna come Monday. I mean, I get it. I, I get the joke. I mean, okay. So that was funny. I don't understand how you not laughing. Ladies and so gentlemen, too. you have heard it here. Okay, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You have heard it here. One of the most funniest jokes ever told <laughs> on Talk About It with Tiffany. <laughs> You're so stupid. Oh my god. Oh, it's the only dirty uh, joke I know. So um it's not a dirty joke, but it's an experience that I've had when y'all was talking about edibles. So well, y'all talked about gummies, not edibles. I don't know if that's the same thing. Well, it's the same it's thing. Definitely the same thing. So, you know, me and the young lady, we go out and we're eating an edible. So she was like, oh, this is my first time. And I'm telling her, like, hey, only in moderation. I don't feel nothing. And we had a brownie. 
or while we sitting in the club, you know, we just chilling, we vibing, we listen to the music. And about an hour later, I guess it hit. And when it hit, she ran out of the club. <laughs> I guess she was just like sitting like this. She's like, oh, I gotta go and left. And I was thinking like, what the fuck? So I had to call her <laughs> and asked her like, hey, are you okay? She's like, I don't want to ever do that again. And I was like, well, you asked to take it. And now all of a sudden it spooked her. Now she's not a smoker. She never, you know, she hasn't taken it before. And when she took the brownie, she ate the whole thing. Oh. Not half of it. Oh, oh. Wow. wow. Yeah. That'll do it. But Yikes. you know, when people take it, I always tell them, you know, you can't eat the whole thing, you know, yeah. even though you're not going to feel it the first 30 minutes. Yeah. But it seemed like it just clicked. And I never seen somebody react to it like that, just up and leave. But yeah. Nah, wow. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. I'm trying to see if I have a, a funny joke like Lisa. Or... Shut up. You, you sound like you're sarcastic about Tiffany, my Tiffany, joke. Tiff, <laughs> I Tiff, think she's sarcastic. So I'm telling you, if you knew Tiffany, how I know Tiffany in high school, you already know Tiffany always has some off-the-wall shit. Like, of course. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> least, but, but it's brilliant. Because she has her own style and she has her own way of, of thinking of things. But Tiffany mm -hmm. is a, a vibrant young lady. She has her she own is. space. So when she comes with me, with us, with this bullshit, that she doesn't have any jokes. God damn it. I know, I know she, she has lying. a box of jokes. Yeah. yeah, I know she's lying. Okay, okay. I'll say this. There, there are a few people who have said, okay, Tiffany... You're gonna need to take your act on the road. Why why won't you do stand-up comedy? And it's because like it's written, you know, it's like these guys are rehearsing this stuff, like, you know, they 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 practice it and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I feel like my humor is more like it's more natural. It's in conversation, mm -hmm. it's in, you know, mm -hmm. situation. It's the fact that I'll say things that people won't say, you know, mm -hmm. or at the most inappropriate time. So no, I don't have any jokes, but I do want to share an edible story um, for myself. You know, I am new to the cannabis community. Hey, I started about um, three years ago. I am writing a book currently about cannabis. So I will let y'all okay. know when it drops. You don't okay. want to read this. Um, but anyway, um, when I had my first edible um I, just like a lot of people it was like first of all it's not gonna work you know why it's it's um it's it's candy like I don't even get it it's stupid so um I took way more than I should have I was actually out of town with my ex-boyfriend at his people house and we was drinking and I had this edible and I'm y'all trying to hang with the big boys you know you want to hang with the big boys yeah. but um so um I sat on there on the couch they were playing a, like a card game um I sat on that couch and I was like spacing out the music was loud um in the back of my mind I heard um I felt like my boyfriend was having a relationship with the girl. I mean, it was crazy. And I was just like, I gotta go. 
I gotta go. You gotta take me, take me to our hotel room. I gotta go, like I gotta leave. Um, but the next day, uh, after I heard how I behaved, I was so like, just really embarrassed. It wasn't funny at all. Like I wasn't laughing or goofy and nothing. I think I peed on myself or something. Like it was, it was just hard. It wasn't funny. It was, there was nothing funny what? about it. But um, I can say this, and this is serious. This is real serious. Um, you know, when you have sexual intercourse, and you, yep. you are high. You, this is mm -hmm. one of the best orgasms you, and, and it's long orgasms, you know, mm -hmm. orgasms like, oh, 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 yes, oh, okay, <laughs> and then you're done, right? So, man, on, on this edible, it was an orgasm, it was like, it lasted forever, and I was like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> and, and, I was, and I was saying, I was like, what's wrong with me? You know, and dude looked at me like, yo, you good? <laughs> Yeah, so you'd have gave me a sex class now. <laughs> it happens like that. I it would not know. <laughs> yes, um, you'll have an amazing uh, orgasm it, with a partner or with a rose, you know, whatever you use for your sexual satisfaction. Um, the orgasms are amazing. I'm ready um, to get so off this conversation now. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't get off this conversation. Uh, okay, yeah, we can talk. Okay, right. Anyway, this has been your episode of Tiffany's Corner and your episode of Tiffany. Uh, what is it? Talk about it with Tiffany Faye. Y'all, yeah, easy. I hate this girl so much right now. Warning, this segment contains sensitive content surrounding suicide. If you're thinking about suicide or worried about a friend or loved one or would like emotional support, the Lifeline Network is available 24-7 across the United States. Uh, that number is 800-273-8255.